Hello, and welcome to the PG Weekly Podcast. In today's episode, George Wanamaker talks about the changes happening in the gaming industry. Looking to further your education for an affordable price? Apply today at Prince George's County Community College, the home of the owls, and your path to success. We have many programs to suit whatever your heart desires. Registration has just started. If you need help applying, come on down to our campus where we'll be more than happy to help you and get you admitted to our wonderful school. It's up to you to make the right decisions in order to make sure you're successful in the future. Applying to PGCC is one of them. PGCC, your passion, your path. Think back to when you were a kid. Imagine it's the middle of summer vacation. You're pulling an all-nighter. Chip bags and other snacks litter the floor. Your breath smells of flavored drinks. Your eyes burn from the bright screen. You're messing up your sleep schedule, but you're having the time of your life making everlasting memories on your favorite video game you couldn't find the time to play during the school year. You're having fun while you're young. However, as you get older and games are apparently getting better, you seem to think they're getting worse and playing them becomes tiresome but why an ever-growing sentiment within the gaming community is that gaming is not the same anymore with the gamers often referring to playing them is not fun or just boring nowadays what was once an enjoyable pastime has now turned into a chore to even boot up to fully articulate why gamers might be feeling this way nowadays we have to harken back to the origins of gaming itself we have to ask the question, what made gaming so good in the first place? Looking back at the 1996 classic, Resident Evil, we see one of the main components of why gaming was so popular, their originality. Resident Evil combined the survival zombie action element with intriguing puzzle solving, resource management, and a limited movement system in tight, claustrophobic enclosed spaces. With the overall graphical style being one that was very unique for the time, as backgrounds were pre-rendered and character and enemy models were in real time. With over 2.75 million copies sold, the original Resident Evil staked its prominence in the gaming market with its influence being recognizable in many titles to come. For example, only four years after Resident Evil's release, Silent Hill would release in 1999, taking heavy inspiration from Resident Evil. In a sit-down curated by Bokeh Game Studio, Silent Hill creator Kiichi Toriyama revealed that the development of Silent Hill took heavy inspiration from Resident Evil. Toriyama is quoted as saying, Obviously, there was no point in simply imitating Resident Evil with Silent Hill. It wouldn't make much sense to make a copy. There was a challenge to try making all the backgrounds with polygons. However, when asked about small details, we would simply tell them to copy Resident Evil. Now we also have to note another component, sheer innovation. While Silent Hill took inspiration from the originality of Resident Evil, Silent Hill innovated on many other survival horror tropes. Silent Hill went for a more psychological style of scaring the player. The use of tension building from its eerie soul-piercing music to its darker themes and set pieces. In tandem with its disgusting collection of original monsters, more vile than anything seen in Resident Evil, it made for a game that completely shocked players at every corner of their journey. Silent Hill took what made Resident Evil so special and twisted it into something better, which was a common trait of all video games going forward. The original Metal Gear Solid inspired games like Hitman, Splinter Cell, and Assassin's Creed and established stealth as a genre. 
the original Doom inspired modern FPS games like Bioshock, Call of Duty, and Halo, giving them a blueprint on how to make them. Street Fighter 2 paved the way in terms of fighting games with its extensive combo lists and real moves. Games like Mortal Kombat, Tekken, and Virtual Fighter followed in its footsteps. Originality led to innovation, and innovation inspired originality. Lastly, what made older games so great is the fact that games weren't just made for money but for fun. Companies put out games that they themselves would actually boot up and play. Every game that was made was for the benefit of the consumer and not the company's profits. Companies weren't hell-bent on squeezing the most amount of money out of consumers, but creating the best experiences for them. Can't decide on where to go to college? Well, come on down to Prince George's Community College. We'll get you sorted out faster than you can blink. With over 200 affordable classes and over 100 teachers ready to educate, PGCC is the place to be. PGCC, your passion, your path. Games had to be made with all the bells and whistles in order to grab the attention of gamers and keep them hooked. Thinking back to the colorful vistas, palm trees, and bright beaches, Nintendo Super Mario Sunshine was a 2002 game that was released with hours and hours of content, with the estimated time of 100% completion being about 30 hours. Tight controls, a diverse array of unique physics and colorful graphics, along with creative enemies, offer players a gripping, replayable experience. And this was the case for most games coming out around that time. All games didn't have the 4K photorealistic graphics or the crazy open worlds that we have today, but they had a unique charm and polish to them. Well, we've now established what made games so great, but what happened? Where did it all go wrong? Well, simple answer is greed. In the 2022 report by Statistica, the gaming market is worth around $90 billion. As more and more companies realized the amount of money that could be made from the gaming market, the more and more companies traded the core principle of making games for fun to make them for profit. Thus came the rise of the microtransaction, a way of getting money out of the player even after purchasing the full game. This method of monetization is implemented in a variety of different ways to convince the player to use them, from purchasing a virtual a currency that could be used for in-game cosmetics and items to a loot box that provides a random assortment of items based on what's spent, which let's face it is very similar to gambling in nature, which is also why some countries are considered banning them outright. For example, Belgium has completely banned any game containing them, forcing companies to revert to a different version of the games to even be approved. Video game company Blizzard with their popular game Overwatch had to completely remove any trace of loot boxes following the ban. Another type of microtransaction action, which is used less due to ethical reasons and consumer backlash, or in-game advantages like XP boosters, which offer players an unfair advantage in a competitive sense, as they are paying the progress faster than players who do not pay. What makes the implementation of these microtransactions so bad is the fact that some companies will design an entire game around them. Certain content will only be available to players who buy them. This is unlike normal gameplay loops in which a player could earn these items through simply playing the game. And to make it worse, some companies will give the illusion of being able to unlock this content by simply playing the game. However, these companies will make the time in order to achieve these unlockables extremely long and out the reach of most players. An example, when Battlefront 2 launched, it would be an estimated 40 hours to unlock fan favorites like Darth Vader, an entire US work week just to unlock a character 
That's absolutely insane. This model encourages players to spend money up front as opposed to just playing the game normally and earning it through normal progression. They want the most amount of money up front from players as quick as possible. And almost every game nowadays has this type of monetization, unfortunately. From GTA 5 with shark cards, Fortnite with V-Bucks, Fallout 76 with Atoms, NBA 2K with VC, which literally stands for virtual currency, and the list goes on and on and on. However, you may be asking why companies looking to extract the most amount of money out of their product is an overall bad thing. Well, it leads to a lack of originality, innovation, and quality. As companies switched to this model, the games as a service market was formed. Companies would now launch games prematurely with the majority of content being locked behind paywalls or free updates that would take months or even years to come out. This would lead the games coming out underdeveloped, with numerous bugs and glitches that can even be game-breaking at some times, leaving games unplayable, making buying the game a waste of money essentially. It's like going to a store and buying a cheeseburger for like $5. However, they come back with just the bread. It turns out the meat is $10, the lettuce is $20, and the tomatoes are $50 extra. And you're able to buy the rest in about two years. And because of this model, games will be structured in a way in which it was simple yet monetizable. Not only do developers compromise on overall quality, but originality. Games like NBA 2K are a prime example of this, as each iteration only coming out with minimal changes every year. The game is simply copy and paste with its shelf life only being two years at max since the game server shut down after that time. This means that whatever extra content players bought will be completely lost after that. No originality, no innovation, just plain greed. However, all companies do not use this games as a service model of microtransactions in a slimy manner. Some companies in fact use it in a more respectable way. A common acceptable use of microtransactions is DLC or downloadable content. Now granted this can be a problem as well when it's clear that developers just cut up portions of a game to sell you later. However, some companies use DLC as a way to expand upon already great experiences that is similar in quality and even sometimes length. Games like The Witcher 3 featured two paid expansions that built upon the already established 173 hours of content in its base game. These additions added 60 hours collectively. While some companies use shady monetization tactics, is that really enough to turn away from gaming completely? Granted, the quality of games have gone down as a result. However, there are some games who exceed expectations or remain quality even in today's landscape. Games like Red Dead Redemption 2, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, The Witcher 3, Elden Ring, Horizon Forbidden West, The Last of Us 2, and many more titles. To be honest, gamers themselves are in part to blame for them not finding gaming enjoyable anymore. There are so many options of games to actually play, but gamers often find themselves trapped into one genre, one console, one peripheral, that it only makes sense that gaming became boring to them. They chose to stay stagnant, to just be in one area of gaming. And of course it would get boring when you only focused on AAA games and big name brands. 
In example, let's say a gamer has always played first person shooters their entire life on PlayStation. Now, look, there's a whole plethora of different experiences they're missing out on because of their sheer laziness. You may be comfortable with an FPS game, but have you ever tried an open world RPG on let's say a Nintendo console? Have you ever tried playing a building game like Minecraft? Have you ever tried playing a complex fighter game like Skullgirls on PC? Have you ever touched a virtual reality horror game like Phasmophobia? Have you ever tried an indie title like Undertale? Or even dabbled in a musical rhythm game like Osu? Or even gone back to play retro games that might have been before your time? Like I don't know, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask on the N64? Have you ever even played Tetris? The range of combinations go on and on, yet people seem to be trapped in a bubble of trash. Now granted, the market shouldn't have so much sewage to slug through, but it's up to you as an individual to seek out those different experiences that you never had before. You can't keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result. That's literally the definition of insanity. However, there's one last thing to consider why gaming doesn't feel the same anymore. It's the fact that gaming is a lot of people's only escape from reality. The only way they can actually relieve stress and the only hobby they have. Playing games for hours on end, completing main missions, side quests, going for collectibles, trophies, and everything else in between. Sinking hours, days, months, weeks, and even decades into video games, of course things will get naturally boring. As you grow older, things change, your interests shift, hobbies die out, and you have to find new ones. It may be the time in your life in which you need to try something new. There's nothing wrong with evolution, I mean, it's a part of life. Staring in front of a bright screen all day really isn't the best use of your time anyway, if you truly think about it. You may be finding out that there's more important things to do in life than just buying a new video game every time a semi-interesting one comes out. Maybe tending a family, hanging out with friends, exploring new job opportunities, and accomplishing goals outside of the virtual world, and finding new ways to stimulate your brain is what you might need. Instead of leveling up your character, maybe it's time to level up your life. It's okay to not find gaming enjoyable anymore. I know the prospect of giving up a hobby you sunk so many hours, days, or even years into can be a scary feeling, especially when you spent so much money on it chasing the biggest collection of games or the most insane realistic graphics while building your custom PC. Buying every console, along with their exclusives, or even constructing the ultimate game room equipped with all the accessories you could ever want. The monsters you've slain, the characters you've maxed out to 100%, the high kill games you've gotten, those memories will live on within the hard drives and online leaderboards of our consoles or PCs, but most importantly, our hearts. Maybe, just maybe, it's time to put the controller down, or at the very least take a break. The virtual world will always be waiting for you when you come back. Things, however, may be a lot different when you return, as the gaming market in reality is just getting started. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. This podcast was for educational purposes only. The views and opinions that were expressed 
do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Prince George's Community College, its faculty, its staff, or its affiliates. The PG Weekly is produced by Heavenly Bee, David Smalls, and is executively produced by Dale Roden.